Howdy, y'all. My name is Myers Raymer. I'm a recovered alcoholic. What a treat. All you guys, a little, little carbohydrate haze that you're in, nothing like that. It's got like that. It's so funny. I, I mean, I could, I could take turns lighting each arm on fire up here, and you, you still would sleep through it. It doesn't make it. I get it, and it doesn't bother me in the least. I'm not, the, I'm not the, the, the least distracted by. If you snore, we'll stop you, but uh, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna judge you for sure. It's tough to eat. It's tough to sit. You, you know, in Europe, um, when they do these workshops in Europe, the, the, they have this thing about they want to start like at 7:30 in the morning, and I mean, eight o'clock would be a late start, but they want to go until like eight or nine o'clock at night. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, if you, if you. Y'all see my rear? I mean, it's just a little skinny thing, and you, I just can't sit like that. And so it's like it's, it's hard enough trying to present for 12 hours, but it's, it's, it's mind-numbing to think about sitting for that many hours in a day. But they are dogmatic in, in their, their uh, pursuit of that format, and they, they, you have to go, just go to the mat to get them to not do it. And so I'm grateful for the wisdom in um, a 5 o'clock uh, deadline on this thing so you guys can have some weekend, and, and it's uh, – it's, this, is a good, this is a good thing. Um, my head is about ready to explode. I've got, I, I got a million things that I, w- I want to talk about. When we start talking about this stuff, there, there's this um, starting in step one stuff that Chris was talking about this morning. Um, uh, can, can just for a second, look at how much information Chris was talking about there that most of us never hear in mainstream AA. I can tell you all about your grandkids. I can tell you all about the last three jobs you've had. I can tell about your, your, about your relationships. I can tell you all of this personal stuff like this. But at the end of the day, do I know anything about my own disease? Do I know? The book says on page 19 that we, we, we um, um, tried to share our experience and knowledge. Later, they would change that. They would introduce from an outside source experience, strength, and hope. I got nothing against experience, strength, and hope. The problem is, is that your mama could have tried to give you hope. You see what I'm saying? The, the, the idea that we would share our experience, what happened, wh- how we got here, and knowledge of what our disease looked like was huge, huge. And for some of us, we never really got that. I mean, we, we struggled with that whole idea. This is the reason why it's maddening for me. Later on this afternoon, we're going to talk about Step 12 stuff. And I want to relate some stories of some older men that I sponsor in AA and the, 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 the things that they showed me about the condition of our fellowship. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's unreal. Everything that I want to talk about for the next hour is about, uh, or at least most of it, is about what sponsorship looks like around this idea of this fourth step. I, you can't go back and redo your inventory unless you just want to go redo it. I mean, we, I'm a big fan of redoing inventories. I wasn't always. I, I came from a sponsorship lineage where we took one inventory when you sobered up and you never did another one, and that was just the way it was. Um, um, the, the reality of that thing, though, is that it got kind of goofy, and I got real sick following that, that, that advice. And so uh, I'm not a big fan of that anymore. Um, If there's anything that we do in AA that's gotten crazy, it's around this inventory stuff. The the if you wanna if you sit in any meeting across the country, any place in this world where they're talking about AA stuff and you talk about inventory and people start sharing their experience around inventory, you'll hear a hundred stories in within one meeting. You'll hear all of these stories and they they none of them bear any real resemblance to each other because we have so many people that talk about all kinds of stuff. I'm gonna do this big old long. Uh, uh, I'm gonna journal. 
my life. I'm going to write my life story. I'm going to do this kind of stuff. And we, and we just, all these extended third columns, extended fourth columns, extended, I mean, I, I've got a workbook at home that's got 32 pages of how to do, this is 32 pages of instruction on how to do a four-step. Now, I don't know about you guys, but man, when I got here, my little head was fried. I mean, I could barely, I couldn't even hardly figure out who I was, man. I didn't even, oh, so you're my wife. I, I didn't, I mean, I'm just a, I'm a total fruitcake. And I'm going to look down, I'm going to sit down there and read through. I'm going to get the courage to, to dump all this stuff on paper and read 32 pages of instruction about how I'm supposed to do that. I don't think so, guys. Most of the, a lot of the men I work with these days are indigent guys riding off the street like this, and they're doing good if they can put a whole complete sentence. I mean, I mean, if they if they start a sentence and finish a sentence without drifting off, it's it's like high five across the room. High five, yeah. Just, it's a big deal. Y'all get that? Somebody said one time the 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 in the things that we talk about. Um, this idea of a timely fashion through the work seems to be either something that you embrace and you're kind of digging the idea or you just hate it. You just think that you'll kill drunks doing that. I, I, listen, I've lived through it from both perspectives. Some of you guys were here last night. I've I, I, I spent seven years doing it the other way and I've spent the last 18 years doing it a different way uh, in a more timely fashion. And I can tell you quicker is always better. It's like, you, let me see if I can put this in perspective. It's, it's the craziest thing in the whole wide world. I want so desperately for you to have a trans, transformational experience with the work. I love you more than anything in the whole wide world. I've got nothing but hope for you. But I want you to wait a year to get it. Does that, I mean, it doesn't even belong in the same sentence, and yet that's what we teach. That's what we teach. And it, it, I just think that it's, it's not well thought out. I, 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 I'm not being judgmental, and I think I understand where it came from. Um, I think now I, I, I put together enough information to, to get it. The reality is if we would just simply look at our experience. How many times have we worked with men and they, had, they, they were excited, they were excited, then they weren't so excited, and then they're not even giving a rat's ass about any of it anymore, you see? But at, all the time we're thinking that we're moving them through the work, and all the time they're just losing momentum. And, and so we're six months into the deal like this. Listen, I had a guy, a guy that works for me and had worked for me for years and years and years. A couple of DWIs, and he'd be in AA and he'd be out of AA. And he'd be in AA and out of AA. Well, he finally got uh, um, uh, uh, his third DWI, which is a felony in Texas. And they he took him to the pen. And when he got back out again, he was going to go back to AA again. So he's, he's in AA <coughs> at another group there in town. Every week I'm asking him. He works in my shop. I mean, he's right there every day. And I'm saying, tell, oh, tell me what you're doing step work wise. Oh, we're, we're not doing any of that yet. Brother, you, seriously, now you've got to have to do this. You know me, man. He says, I know, I know. You're real, you're real energetic about those steps. And I said, you can call it whatever you want to. I'm just telling you, you're going you're gonna to drink. You, you have a history of this stuff. You're going to drink unless you do this, this work. Three months goes by. So tell me seriously about the work. Well, we're just, we're just, we're, I did a step, uh, my first step, and six months rolls around, and I said, all right, listen, wh tell me where you're going. He's not doing well at work. He's starting to not show up again. He's just getting sick. He's got all kinds of stuff, really, really agitated. And I said, buddy, I can see it all coming up. I can see it building up right there in your demeanor every day. I can see you getting sick. Tell me what that sponsor has you doing up there. Well, we're going, to get, we're going to get into an inventory eventually, but right now we're just talking about the third step. And I said, I tell you what you're going to do. You like your job? Yep. 
I said, you no longer have that man for a sponsor. I'm your new sponsor. And he goes, you what? I said, I'm your new sponsor, and you're coming with me to Primary Purpose Group Dallas tonight. Well, no, I, I just got to, I'm not sure how what he'll think. I said, screw him. I don't care what he thinks. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Listen, I, for, I, for, it's a purely selfish deal. I need you here. I need you alive. And so we got him through the work, and he's sober today, and it's just it's the coolest thing in the world to watch out like that. I just don't understand the pushback for not just moving a little quicker. I have got uh, in, in my files um, uh, newspaper articles in, the, in the, the late 30s and early 40s where men two weeks sober were already sponsoring people. Two weeks sober are already sponsoring people. The disease didn't change, guys. Nothing changed about alcoholism. Our approach to alcoholism and how we treat alcoholism has indeed changed, and that's what we're trying to get clear of like that. So the question, I, I promise you I'm going to get on step four real quick, but the, the, here's the question. In the stuff that, that Peter was reading earlier on, on how it works, chapter five, the question is, when do you start a guy through the work? Let's look at this one little piece, and then I'll get on into the business, okay? Let's say, look at chapter five, how it works. We read it a million times a day. Most of us don't read it at all. I mean, don't listen to it anymore. We're busy sending that last text message to the girl sitting right across the table from us or, or whatever, going to get that last cup of coffee or whatever. We just kind of tune out. But look at this line halfway down the page on page 58. If you've decided that you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. There were two questions that were asked right there. If you have decided that you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it. So, uh, let's stick with me. Is it possible that when, when is it Dan or Don? Dan. Dan. If, 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 is it possible that when Dan came into a meeting, I could sit on the hood of his truck out, the, out in the parking lot and we could just visit for a little bit and get that information that we just had right there? Is it possible? I'm just asking, is it possible that we, that we could do all of this just sitting on the hood of his truck? Absolutely. There are two questions. Can, do you want what we have? Yeah, I think I do. Based on what we're talking about, I think I do. Are you ready to go to any length? He says, yes. And then I'm going to tell him what any length looks like. Then we're ready to take certain steps. Is there any reason why we should not proceed with the steps right there? This idea that we have to be in 100 meetings or 90 meetings in 90 days or whatever the deal is in order to make those decisions is ludicrous. And his time bomb is ticking. His little clock is going kick tick, tick, and we're just waiting, you see? This is the reason why there is some urgency about this stuff. Once we get him started like this, um, um, we, we look at this idea of a, of a first step and a second step. Um, uh, I mean, how many times in AA meetings have we heard people battling and struggling over this idea of the second step? Well, I'm working on my second step. And weeks later, well, I'm still working on that second step. I'm just having trouble with... Holy shit. Are you God? Well, of course not. You think there is a God? Well, yes. Next. It, you, you understand? I mean, come on. Because the idea that I have to have a fully formed idea of what God is and what God looks like, the doctrine all in place right there before I can start, is crazy. It's crazy. Because, guys, it's going to grow and build. You can have a transformational experience based on that simple, honest beginning. You can have a profound experience. This is where we're after. We slide off into the third step. Let me ask you this question. Turn to page 60 real quick and let's look at something. The, the, um, I, gotta, I, I just want to ask a question. Did, 
Did any of you guys, when you read this for the first time, think that maybe it was just out of place? Did it seem weird to you when you were reading it? Let me tell you, let me refresh your memory on this stuff. We've been talking about alcoholism, excuse me, We've been talking about alcoholism through this whole thing. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place where all of a sudden they don't talk about alcoholism. What, what were they talking about? Bill switched gears completely. There's no mention of alcohol on three pages in a row. All they start talking about is selfishness and self-centeredness. Now, i got to ask you, what in the hell does selfishness and self-centeredness have to do with anything? I, I mean, it's not booze and it's not dope, so why are we talking about it? What is, what is, it has nothing to do with this stuff. I, I mean, how many of you... Uh, uh, struggled with the illusion that once you got the booze and those outside issues out of the way that everything would be rosy and everything would be fine. <laughs> I'm a knucklehead because I use that stuff. Because I'm a drunk. How many of you were disappointed and totally, completely dismayed by the idea that once you got the booze and the other outside issues out of your body that you were still a knucklehead? And sometimes you were a knucklehead times ten. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just got crazy, you see? Yeah, yeah. Listen, let me tell you something, guys. Seven months away from my last drink, I was nuttier than a squirrel turd. I, I, you, I, can't, I cannot begin to tell you how crazy I was, you see? Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I went too far. <laughs> And so they, they paint this picture. They, they paint a picture of, of, of what selfishness and self-centered it looks like. And they start describing this stuff. Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Let me give you a, a little piece of advice. When you're working with a brand new guy, we got this cat. Now, I'm, I'm thinking this is like a weekend of the deal. You've done one, two. You're getting ready to do three. Maybe even on the first night you met him, you're doing one, two, and three. You're getting through this deal. Now, the, if you have trouble or if he has trouble or she has trouble seeing selfishness, always go back to a relationship. Guys, if I put this around the area of a personal relationship with a woman, I can see my selfishness so much easier. Myers, are you selfish? No way. Well, interesting. In your relationship with your wife, did you, were you sometimes selfish? Yeah, I guess. A little bit. Interesting. And then when you read through this stuff, is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? And you just move on down the doubt. Let's see. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. Because, guys, sometimes you all lie. Girls, tell, look at me. Tell me the truth. Have you ever been out with a guy who could be both in the same night? Seriously. Who could be kind and generous at one point and could be a total tore-up third grader later in the evening. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could do this all the time. You see? Selfishness and self-centeredness. When, when you flip back over to 62 at the top of that that, that Peter was reading, selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Wait a minute. If Bill had called me and said, Myers, I'm tired of the way it was written, you write it. I, I, let me tell you how to written that sentence. It would have said, selfishness, self-centeredness. No, let's see. It would be Canadian whiskey and methamphetamines. That, we think, is the root of our problems, you see? I, I'm going straight back to the problem because my head still says that that's my problem. And that's not what he said. For three pages, he beats this drum that maybe there's something bigger at play here, that maybe selfishness is in the middle of this deal. And I don't want to believe it because, listen, I got this head. Peter was talking about it a lot, and I'm telling you right now, I could so relate to the things that he was saying like that. I got this head that keeps selling me this idea that I'm Mr. Good and generous and giving, and I'm every, my wife is the luckiest woman alive to have me around. 
You see? Until I look at an inventory, until I see who I am authentically, and then all of a sudden I begin to realize, you know what, Myers? You are a turd. You are, I mean, totally unredeemable in your, in your actions. I mean, it's just crazy. And I never could see it. Never. If you don't deal with this, what, 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 what frightens me is, is that we have a world of people in our rooms that have never done inventory. Never done inventory. They did, they did all the easy stuff, all the stuff that was fairly easy to do, the stuff that was kind of, of up in their head, and they, oh, yes, I did this, I did this. And then we get into the real live nuts and bolts of this stuff. You hand somebody a pencil, and you say, here, Hoss, meet Mr. Notepad, and let's, let's get some inventory done. And then all of a sudden, everybody backs up, everybody stalls out, everybody likes to talk about it. It's the fodder for meeting discussion stuff for months and months and months. This inventory, it's kicking my ass. I just don't know if I can get through it. And I'm just like, holy cow. I just like, so look, let's, the reason that we're doing this stuff in the first place is to see who we really are authentically. No games being played. What I really want to know for the very first time in my life, who am I really? Not who I think I am. Guys, have you ever, have you ever told somebody that you were somebody else because you, you wanted to impress them? Am I the only guy in this room that did that? Like that? I mean, I'd go to a party and I'd tell them I'm a doctor until they started asking me doctor questions and I'd have to switch gears to another profession. Oh, I'm an architect. I, I know how to pick up a pencil so I can, they can't stump me there. I can. That's just crazy. Why would I do that? The problem we run into, let me ask you this question, guys and girls too, but guys especially, have you ever told yourself a story so many times that it became your truth, that it became your reality, and it wasn't true at all? There was this guy that I sponsored for, for uh, I've sponsored him several times over a number of years, never for very long, and, and he's, he's struggled a lot, and, and so we, we sat down one time for an inventory, and we went through this, this long, drawn-out deal like this, and it, the inventory was rife with all of this uh, uh, post-traumatic stress stuff. He couldn't do this because he was a, just a basket case in his head, and he, he kept hearing things, and it, I mean, it was just, he was just tore up, and I felt real sorry for him, and, 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 and later on, we would do another inventory, and it was the same kind of thing. About, about three Three months ago, I did this the same another inventory with this same man. Now, ten years has gone by. I did the same inventory. He's been loaded on most of that. He came back in, got sober, and we're looking at his inventory. And 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 through the inventory, I'm looking at this stuff. There's not one mention of service, not one mention of being in Vietnam. And I said, Hoss, let me ask you a question, man. Dude, what what about all the post-traumatic stress stuff? And he goes, huh? And I said, yeah, all the post-traumatic stress stuff that we talked about before. And he said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, the service, Vietnam, remember that? He goes, Myers, I wasn't in Vietnam. I was a conscientious objector. <laughs> wow. You, but you understand what I'm saying like that? I mean, this guy had told that story about the PTSD stuff so often, he had just built it up in his head that, that, that it became his, his authenticity. It was his persona that he had built up like this. I was living in Houston, Texas before I married Londa, and, um, and I bought me a Toyota Land Cruiser. You know those old cool Land Cruisers and like this? And I went to this store, and I bought me a, a pair of climbing boots. They cost a freaking fortune, and they're so stiff. I don't know if you've ever seen a real pair of, of, of climbing boots, but they're real stiff, and they're hard to walk in, and they're just a mess on the ground like that. With crampons on, they're not too bad. That's the reason they build them that way like this. But I bought them because they look cool, and I bought I'm, – I'm not kidding you. I wish I hadn't started the story. I didn't like <laughs> – 
I bought, I bought some climbing ropes like, like I was a climber, and I strung them up on the little roll bar thing in the back of my deal like this, and I was driving all over town. Guys, I've never, I've never been on a mountain in my life. I wouldn't. I'd be calling for mommy if you put me on one of those mountains. I don't, I, I'm just not, but it was just, I just love the persona. I just love. <laughs> you girls laugh. Some of y'all fell for it, okay? I just got to. <laughs> wow. So, so, so I know some of you are scratching your head going, I don't get it. Well, let me, let me tie this up real quick. How can you be sober and still live all the lies? How can you be sober and still be somebody else? So, so many of us have spent so much time trying to be somebody else that we wouldn't know reality. We wouldn't know who we really are. How can you build a relationship, gentlemen? How can you build a relationship with this woman that you adore if, if she doesn't know who you are and you don't even recognize who you are? You see what I'm saying? It's just it's for some... For some we have to get to a place to where we begin to deal with authenticity as something that's important. I want to know who I am. Warts and all, okay? I want to know for the very first time who I really am. And that's why this inventory becomes so amazingly important for us to, to, to see. Um, I don't, I don't care. People get drunk today not because they, they did inventory bad or before they did the wrong inventory. That We get people that get drunk today because they didn't do any inventory at all. I'm just tired of people putting off or waiting for that perfect inventory. When I can do it perfect, you're not going to do it perfect, Hoss. Quit thinking about it like that. Why don't you do it as good as you can do right now, and then later we'll come back and gather it back up again, and we'll do some more. We might do it some more later. We'll do whatever we got to do like this. But I'm guaranteeing you, listen, this is purely an opinion. I don't have it written anywhere, but I got on good authority just from based on 25 years of experience that if God gave us every truth that we needed to have right off the bat, most of us would explode. Seriously, if God had showed me what an idiot I was when I sobered up like this, I would have been devastated by my own shallowness. I was absolutely a, this spineless little bastard, and it was horrible to look at. But I needed some stuff. I needed some air under me first so I could begin to see. And I strengthened up a little bit, and then I could do this and look at it and see. You all get that, right? So, so here's the deal. In a sponsorship situation, let's say Dan... It is Dan, isn't it? Okay. That A looks just like an O to me. Like, you just got screwed because you're sitting right there. It's just like so convenient. Okay. So, 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 so I'm just now starting to work with Dan, and, I'm, and I'm, we're, we're talking about some stuff. I got him all set up for this inventory like this. On the night that Dan looked at me and asked me to help him, what's the very first thing that went through my head? I can tell you right now what it was. The very first thing that went through my head Ah, uh, nah. I mean, there's a, it, this is this weird. We'll talk about it a little, in, in a couple of hours. We're going to talk about it. Like the, there's this weird goofiness going on in, internally in every one of you. There's a part of you that knows that your sobriety depends on your ability to work with Dan. So you're pulling with this hand. Come on, Danny. Let's go do this stuff. And there's another one that's pushing with this hand that's going, I wish you would die or go away. <laughs> you see? If he'd get drunk before he'd come back, then I wouldn't have to do any of this kind of stuff. Because the reality is, I don't want to have to, I don't want to, have to raise him. We have, this, we have a head full of idea that says that I have to raise this guy. And the very first thing that your head will take you to is, an, is a nonstop, mind-numbing eight-hour inventory. You're going to go, oh, I'm going to have to do inventory with this guy. Oh. And it's painful. 
And so this single reason will keep a whole lot of us away from the idea of sponsorship and the way from, uh, from, from doing it. It did for me for a long time. Listen, there's only two reasons why people won't do inventory. If, if I present the case to Dan and Dan says he's ready to do this stuff like this and we get through it like this, there's two reasons why Dan will put off doing it. One is he doesn't believe that he, that he needs to do it. And there's a lot of men out there that do, that'll do that. I don't really believe that I need to do this stuff. That's one. The second is, I don't know how to do it. And I get that too. My responsibility is to find out whether, he, whether, he, whether I need to convince him that he needs to do it, and then I need to show him how to do it. This is one area that we don't all have to be lockstep, but I wish we were just a little more gathered up as a fellowship whole worldwide. I wish we were a little more gathered up about the idea of what, what inventory looks like. Let's read something, and let's see if we can get into the nuts and bolts of it for just a second. Look on page 64. Therefore, we started out on our personal inventory. We had just read the stuff that, that, that Peter had read this morning. Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. For you guys that keep wanting to put this stuff off, I'm going to ask you this, not being rude or disrespectful. What part of next we launched out on a course of vigorous action do you not understand? You guys that want to sit in meetings for a year talking about an inventory that you haven't even begun yet? Like I say, it's great fodder for discussion. We were, we were in Boston one time doing a deal like this and they they the, the they I went to a meeting ahead of this deal which I don't usually do but the anyway it's a long story but I got as I got there they were talking about the fourth step and there's like 60 or 70 people in the room they all got big books in front of them and they were talking about the fourth step and the very first guy that 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 said, that started out to share said you know I haven't worked the fourth step but I'd like to to make a couple of comments and for 15 minutes he made comments based on an experience that he hadn't had the next person in line was a young lady and she said you know I didn't I started it in AWOL they do a lot of that in Boston I started it outside of AA but I never finished it anyway but I too would like to make a comment. And so she talked for another 10 minutes. We're 30 minutes into the, into the, to the meeting. We have two people that have shared on a topic and an experience that they have never had. This is the, st and we allow it to happen. I'm saying, buddy, if you haven't had the experience, um, I love you, uh, hush. Just, we got to stop. Look, read, read down to a little bit. Unless it once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. Skip down a little bit more. There's a line up. There it is. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. They're, they're likening everything that we're doing here to an inventory. How many of you guys have ever been in retail or anywhere where you had to take an inventory? I mean, I mean, even you guys that haven't know, I mean, just from a common sense standpoint, you take unsaleable stuff and you mark it as unsaleable. You take good stuff over here, you mark it as good stuff like this, and you're just going through the deal. Where is the parallel? Where is the connection between a life story and an inventory? There is none. This is the stuff that we've, we've set ourselves up for into a beaten. I'm not judging any of it. And if you're doing a life story and you want to read it to your sponsor and he has hours and hours and hours to listen to you, prop up and support his bad behavior, you go right ahead and do that. But I, but I can just tell you right now, if you'll stick to it like, it like an inventory looks like and look at it the way it's set up on a, on a, on a, on a sheet or a form or however you want to do it, like that, what you'll begin to see is that you'll get quicker to the point and you'll see it in more black and white what it is that you're supposed to be seeing. You give me a bunch of time to tell you a story about, that supports the thing. And, and what, what I began to quickly realize is that, is that the longer you're talking, as, as if Dan's talking for 30 minutes, what Dan's trying to do is, is justify his bad behavior. 
He's trying to explain to me why he made the bad decisions that he made. I'm going, whoa, 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 stop, Dan Hoth. I don't, we don't need to know that. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, how many times have you guys who are listening to inventories, I'm talking, we're in a fifth step now looking back at this thing. How many times have you been in inventories where men and women did this kind of stuff? Well, well, this next one, it's interesting, Myers. You know, I, I, got up, I got up real early on a Saturday. No, it was, yeah, I guess it was Saturday. I, I, I guess it was. And, and so I had this conversation with my girlfriend, and she really pissed me off. And I just like, and so I left there like that, and, and then I drove down like that. The, the, the resentment is the Garland Police Department. Okay, and so now he's giving me all this background information on what was going on like that. And so, I, so I'm driving down there like that, I get pulled over. And now I think this guy's disrespecting me and blah, 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 and he's going on and on. And I'm going, oh, stop, 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 time out. Let me ask you a question, Hoss. Were you speeding? Yes. Next. I, do you understand what I'm saying, guys? Like, I don't need to know all the detail on this stuff. Because all it is is, is it just, it's just muddying up the stuff. It's you trying to rationalize all these behaviors that put you in that position in the first place. And it's all smokescreen stuff. And that's what we're trying to get clear of like this. And so it's like, it's like if I'm doing an inventory in a, in a grocery store and I'm going through like this and i got a cooler here and the milk's bad... That, that I don't need to know all the detail about why the milk's bad. Well, you see, we normally get milk delivery on Wednesday, and this time it came on on Monday, though. And so, so, and then we were having trouble with these coolers, and, and sometimes our temperature is supposed to be like this, and I'm just sitting there drooling. I mean, there's just drool coming out of my mouth. I'm just... Fuck. It looks like this. It looks like this. Milk, sour, next. We... Y'all get that, right? Some of y'all don't. Some of y'all aren't digging this at all. I, I'm just saying. Listen, if you're, if you're pre-inventory, you ain't digging this. Because you want a bunch of time to run at this thing and do this. If you're post-inventory in sponsorship land and you're looking back at the people that you're sponsoring like this or the, or the, or the thousands of people headed at you that you're going to be sponsoring like this, believe me, you're going to figure out real quick how to get through these inventories faster. I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of inventories. I could not count them. The last big book that got stole out of my truck went like this. I had 380 names in there of men that I'd listened to their inventories like that. And that was 10 years ago. Okay? I've listened to a ton of them. And I'm telling you right now, most of those inventories could be done in two and a half hours at the outside. Most of them were less than two hours. You see what I'm saying? These eight-hour marathon deals, well, you've got to be thorough. Well, then, no. Listen, in the old days, go look at the archives of the way that they did these early inventories. In the early archive stuff that relates to us like this, the sponsor did most of the talking. The sponsor was showing stuff like this. This guy was just, just giving information like that. It wasn't one of the things, this marathon deal like that. There are places, guys, like especially with, with some of the craziest stuff I've heard lately is, is, is with women. Um, who love the idea of nurturing people into the deal. I'm not knocking it, guys. I love you to death, man. I'm, I'm, I do. Um, this fellowship would be nothing without women as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm the biggest fan of women in the universe. But I'll guarantee you there are some crazy... It, in, in the Midwest, <laughs> in the Midwest, there's a, there's a whole group of... Uh, uh, but here's how it gets weird. Have you ever noticed that in certain geographic areas, one woman or two women are sponsoring 90% of the county? I mean, geographically, that happens sometimes. This is the reason why we're, we, we, we'll beat you up with the idea of some of you guys getting off into the trench to help out so that that doesn't, quite, that doesn't happen like that. I was talking to a lady the other day, and she said, I just don't agree with you about this inventory stuff. And I said, well, 
what I got like three minutes before I have to catch a plane. Why don't you just tell me what it is that you don't agree with? And she said, well, well, my girls, the way we do it is, is that we go over to somebody's house on a Friday night and we have five or six girls doing an inventory at the same time. And they're going to go and we, we bring our stuffed toys and we bring candles and we light them and we bring, put blankets on the floor. And I'm, and I'm thinking this girl sounds like a fruitcake, but I mean, listen, I don't mind a nice little slumber party, but holy cow. I also don't want to share my inventory with three or four other women. You understand? I mean, I, it, this is between me and so so um, and so we we do we do the inventory. We get to know each other on Friday night. We do the inventory Saturday and noon on Sunday. We're usually finished with it, and everybody goes home. Wow. wow. And so listen to the question. So the question that I ask is, I said, so is this the way you did it too? And she says, yes, that's the way my sponsor taught me, and that's what I did. And I said, great. I said, let me ask you this question, sweetheart. What what? What did you find out in your fourth column? What truths did you see in your inventory? Just dead silence on the other end of the phone. And I said, the fourth column. You, what, did, what did you see? It, there's a fourth column? <laughs> yes, there's a fourth column. Now listen, I'm not judging her. I'm, I am a little bit, but I mean, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean, but I want people people to understand. Unless you can see your truth in that fourth column, flip over to page 67, referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done, we resolutely look for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? If I can't see this stuff in that fourth column, guys, then my inventory is ineffective. This is not a place for you to share all of your story and talk about a bunch of stuff without seeing the truth about some of this. This is the reason why it was done. Whether you're writing it out longhand or I don't care. I've got a, uh, um, um, Joe and Charlie's got a bunch of sheets out there for checklist thing that I particularly like. If you're working with indigents that can't write much, that just barely, barely functioning like this, those Joe and Charlie sheets, I've, I've worked hundreds of guys with them and they work real well like that. There's another deal like this, this aabythebook.org. If you've never been over there like this, uh, these guys out of Minnesota had put together these little sheets. Now, these are verbatim right out of the big book. These are word for word right out, of the, uh, right out of the text. They're just set up so that there's a resentment inventory on one side like this. The, 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 the column one, two, and three is on the front side. The fourth, the fourth column is on the back side, so you're not looking at it. And you do one of these for each resentment. You see? So you'll have a nice little stack of that kind of stuff. There's a fear inventory on this side. There's a sex inventory on this side. You can gang them up on that. You don't have to, you can put the, those together. It doesn't make any difference. But it stays real organized that way so that it's easy to go through and you can see what the deal was. You can get a, you can old school, old school it with a notebook and four columns on the deal like that. Rock on. Rock on. From a sponsorship standpoint, if I'm working with Dan like this and we're going to do I'm not going to hand him a notebook or sheets or anything without, without making sure that he knows what he's doing. I said, Dan, give me a resentment. He tells me, my wife. And so we sit there like this and we work through the resentment thing around his wife best we can like this. I said, you want to do one more? And then I let him do most of the talking through the, through the second one. I said, do you feel comfortable with this? Is it something you can do? And he goes, either yes or no, I'm still a little confused. At what point in time we'll spend a little more time with this. But I don't want to just leave him with this idea so that he can get in his head and, and go, go, go nuts. He'll turn into a fruitcake in his head, and we don't want to do that. The length of time on inventories, this is nuts and bolts kind of stuff. You can go back and look at any piece of archive stuff that we have, including what's written in the big book about the first guys in AA, and what you will see is that all of them within a month to 45 days had worked the work. A month to 45 days. Most of these guys had done inventories in 10 days, and they were done with it, and they were through. 
Why in our infinite wisdom we thought it was smart to give people six months or a year to work inventories? Go ahead now. If you, if you, want, to, if you want to draw a line in the sand and fight about this, I'll fight about it. On this one topic, I'll fight about it. If it's so successful to have these guys waiting to do inventory, why is our success rate so bad? Why are we struggling to keep people in the rooms? Now, listen, I got, I'm going I'm to tell you, if you can show me a reason why a longer wait on inventory is better, I'll shut up. I have no problem at all. I'm not married to this idea. I, don't have, I have no emotional attachment to it. I'm just looking what our collective experience is over a period of years like that. The quicker we can get guys through the work, the, the healthier they seem to be getting, and the quicker they seem to be willing to crawl off into the trenches and sponsor and help somebody else. Y'all get that, right? So, the, uh, um, and the reality, I'm, I'm not being disrespectful, but the reality is like this. If I say, Dan, we got six months to do this inventory, when's Dan going to start his inventory? I'm thinking in the parking lot right before we share the inventory, he's going to be writing like a mother. He's got, he's got blisters, his fingers are this big from blisters from writing so fast like this. I mean, we just wait until the last minute to do this stuff like this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not dissing Dan. I just like, Dan's just like me. I, that's exactly what I would do like that. This is the reason why when we get up off our knees of doing a third step prayer, I'm going to sit down like this. I'm going to hug this rascal like this. And I'm going to say, Dan, I'm proud of you as I can be, buddy. I love you to death. Now. Here's what we're going to do. Next, we're launching out on a course of vigorous action. Here's the worksheets, the slash notebook, or whatever it is like this. Here it is. We're going to talk about this thing for a couple of minutes. You got 10 days. You got a calendar on you? Yep, you don't. Here, use mine. I always have my, got my iPad out, punk it up like this. This is when I'm going to be back in town, like here. I can do it here, here. From a week to 10 days, I'm a, that's all I'm going to give him. Unless there's some reason why we have to postpone, that's what he's going to get. And he can piss and moan about it. He can whine about it. He can do whatever he wants to do. And it's not going to change anything. That's the way we're going to do it like this. So Dan gets the thing done and then we get him free. I want him free. I want him free is so quick and so fast like this. The, the only thing that's going to save this guy is a transformational experience with the work. And the only way he's going to do it is to get past his own arrogance and his own ego and his own everything that's conspiring to crucify this guy needs to be batted out of the way. And the only way to do it is just to face it. And if I have to stand behind him and hold him up while he does it, then so be it. It's critical. If you'll get past this, everything opens up. Everything opens up. Nothing is possible if that inventory is not done and done the right way. Nothing is possible. Look at the stuff that Peter's going to talk about in a minute in 6 and 7. The word objectionable. If I can't show Dan that his behavior is objectionable, if I can't knock out all of the self-rationalization and goofiness that he's built up in his head over the years, if I can't get him there then what we're going to end up with is a guy that's going to go into 6 and 7 thinking that he's some kind of saint. I don't have anything to change. Oh, I see. So the pride's not objectionable. The selfishness, the fear, the, the porn, the, the, the you name it. I mean, you just fill in the blank of all the stuff like this. Unless you admit it's objectionable, there is no, no reason to do any of the rest of this stuff. Y'all get that? Yeah. Some of y'all aren't digging this. I can tell. That's okay. I'm just saying this. If you'll, if you'll just simply try it sometimes, just simply slide into it a little quicker. It, it takes some courage, but I think what you'll find is, is that when, you're, when your guys and girls that you're sponsoring begin to blossom in front of your eyes, instead of, getting, instead of watching them daily get sicker and sicker and sicker sitting in the meetings, and you're distressed because they look what that was happy one day, now is getting less and less happy, um, and you can see them struggling like this. It's like a parent. Don't most of us get really close to some of these guys? Yeah, we do. Oh, 
I want to see them free. I want to see you, I want to see you okay with that whole deal. I, I, I got, let me bat one more thing out of the way and then we'll get on to something else. The, um, there's nowhere in our literature that says that I have to take you on to raise forever. That I have to, there's nothing in our literature that says that I have, I have to like you. You understand? Listen, I got, I got, I'll tell you the straight truth. I sponsor some men today and have over the years that, that make my skin crawl. Seriously. I mean, some of these are just weird dudes like this. And I, and I am not, uh, I love them. I love them enough from the moment they said, would you help me? I've loved them enough to be in the room with them and try to help them get through this thing. But the deal like that, there was a guy that, that had a really, really, he was real pissed off. And he came up one night after a talk like this. And he said, he said, you cannot, you cannot possibly sponsor more than one guy at a time. I went, no kidding. Well, what if your guy stays with you for 20 years? Well, then that's it. You're just sponsor one guy. That's the way it is. And I just went, wow, that's the craziest idea I've ever heard in my whole life. Are we raising these guys? I mean, do I have to pay his college tuition too? What, 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 come on, what is this all about? Guys, we're dying out there because we don't have enough people that are strong, that are willing to do the work, that are willing to get in there and sponsor people like that. Some of you guys that started big book studies, you, uh, listen, I can tell you right now, you already know what I'm talking about. You started big book studies and you realized that a bunch of cats wanted to do the work and now you're faced with this. Instead of, instead of one guy, you're having to sponsor seven guys. Can, can you do it? Sure you can. You got to be a little more organized and you got to figure out what to do. I wouldn't want you to sponsor seven guys at one time to start them all at the same time. Okay, I'm going to... That's a, that's a tough gig if you've ever tried it like that. But, but the reality is, is that there's no telling how many of you, some of you guys I've already, talking to, talk, I've already talked to, some of you all have sponsored hundreds of men already and done it quite effectively, quite effectively. We're not there to raise. I'm, I'm there to get you to God so God can fix what ails you. And then you're, you, it's between you and God. It's you and the God show. It's, it's not me. I'm, not, I'm, I'm there to help and to help hold you accountable. But to this day-to-day -day manipulating type stuff like that, this is crazy. you got a guy you've been sponsoring for six months or a year, and he's still calling you every day, wah, 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 and struggling like this. Go, let's, go do, let's go do our job. Let's back up and see what didn't get done that should have been done. Because this guy is depending on you. And we don't want that. Come on. We don't want that. We're just a facilitator in the middle of this thing like that. I don't, want to get, I don't want to get emotionally attached to all of this stuff. You see, if you make it, I'm delighted. If you don't make it, I'm, I'm sorry you didn't make it. But I'm not going to get emotionally attached to this whole thing like that because it's not my gig. It's not my responsibility whether or not you make it or not. It's my responsibility to make sure that the message that I carried you was clear and pure based on what our text said. But past that, you see. Let me tell you a quick story. We had, we had talked about, um, about these inventory deals like that. I, I, Chris gets tired. I've told this story a couple of times when he was in the room, but I, I, I just, Chris saved my life like three times in AA. Um, um, one time was when I first got here, when he, he brought me to my first AA meeting, he, two months sober, two, he was two months sober when he brought me to AA, and, and, and I sobered up. Seven years later, when I was coming apart at the seam, dying in AA, he scooped me up, got me back on track, got me in with a bunch of big book thumpers, and, and, and the rest is history, so to speak. Fifteen years later, at a workshop in Alaska, he saved my life again by making me do inventory again. 
Now, listen, I, was so, I, I told you I, I came from a, a sponsorship lineage that believes that we do you inventory when you first get here, and if you're doing an active, effective tent step, that you never have to go back and, and do inventory. That's not been my experience, and I, I'm not a real big fan of that, that idea. I think that most of us would benefit by going back and revisiting this inventory idea like this. And so we're, 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 it's a long, long weekend. It's Anchorage in whatever the month was, but the sun didn't go down, and, and it's like at 4 a.m., the sun barely dropped down below the horizon and then came right back up again. And we'd been burning this candle for like three days. And I mean, I was just exhausted. All these little kids were there, these young guys all amped up that uh, energy drinks had just come out like this. You'd sit, you'd be sitting in an AA meeting and they'd have like 50 energy drink cans sitting in front of them on the table. Like, and these kids are like, 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 holy shit. And I'm just... <laughs> And I'm looking at Chris going, we got to get back to Texas. I'm going to die here in Alaska. And so, so we, we, we did a talk late and then decided to go straight to the airport because we both had early flights out the next morning. We were just going to spend the night in the airport. And so I'm, I'm grousing about everything. I'm, I'm, I'm at odds with my family. I'm at odds with some relatives in the family. I'm at odds with the men I sponsor. I got, I'm just, and, I'm just, and Chris is just listening to all this stuff, and I'm just wah, 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 wah. I'm just like going crazy with it. And, he, and finally, it's just like, this is like 2 o'clock in the morning, and Chris is going, Jeez, Louise, you're killing me here. Myers, how long has it been since you did any inventory? And I said, I don't know, 10 years ago, I guess. And he goes, holy cow. And he's just looking straight ahead. And there's not a sound in that, in that terminal. It's just perfectly quiet. You think I ought to do some inventory? And he said, I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> this is classic Chris. <clears throat> And so I said, you got a piece of paper? And he said, yeah. And he flipped me an envelope. I call them envelope inventories. I have ever since that night. And, and he handed me an envelope and a piece of paper. And he said, have at it. And I sat there and I wrote for 25 minutes. It didn't, wasn't, didn't take long. 25 minutes I was in it. And then I handed it to him and I read it. And we talked about it a little bit like this. He showed me some things that I wasn't seeing. I got, I got the ugliness of my selfishness rubbed in my face one more time that I'd really gotten that way. I'd really gotten sick again like that. And, and we were done. And I said, I got to go to the bathroom. Get up. I walked toward the bathroom. And it's perfectly quiet. There's nobody else in that terminal. And we walked, well, I walked in the deal like this. I go in there like this. And I'm going to the bathroom like this. And I'm looking in the mirror. And I was smiling. And I went, what is it's like I've done some ecstasy or something. I, I don't even, I've never even did any ecstasy. I don't, even know, I don't even know what it's like. But I'm just telling you like that. It was like, it was like, I, I remember washing my hands and I was walking back out of the out of the deal, walking out of the bathroom, and I felt like I was like I weighed 25 pounds. I mean, I weigh I was just floating out of this bathroom like this, and I remember walking out of the door, and somehow or another, another man arrived at the, in the terminal. We're the only people in there like this, but he's walking in the bathroom at the same time I'm walking out like this, and as I walk out, I hear him stop. And I went, why did he stop? He's right in the doorway. I said, why did he stop? And I turned around, and he was looking right at me. And then he looks in the bathroom like this. Like this. And he's looking like this. He thought there was somebody in the bathroom because of the way I look. And I just, I went, golly. And I just kind of floated across that terminal like this, like that. I sat down next to Chris like this, and I just got my arms folded like this. And there's not a sound, and he's looking straight ahead, and I'm looking straight ahead. And I'm telling you, I could have died right then, a happy man. I'm telling you, I just, all of that crap I'd been shouldering, all of that burden that I had been, been trying to carry for all of those years was gone, was just completely lifted. And I felt new. I felt new. I'm a huge, huge fan 
of, of doing and redoing inventories. Um, and the longer you do them, the quicker they are. And most inventories, for most of you cats that have been, been around for a little while and have done inventories like this, most of you guys can do an inventory in 15 or 20 minutes sitting there. It takes you 15 minutes to share it, and you're done with it. You're done. And then you can get back on square one. And you can see these things. I didn't realize that, the, that, 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 that what started out as a patina between me and God had become just this dark curtain. And let me tell you something. You try to do what we do in these trenches. You try to do what we do in the rooms of AA without God being in that picture. You try doing it on your own. And I'm going to show you some tough sledding. I mean, it's, it's tough. This is the reason why when you look around the room, you see so many people that are just frowning and seem to be angry, and there's so many contentious group meetings and all kinds of weird shit going on like that. I just, it just shouldn't be that way. If God's present in the room, it ought to look completely different, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? And I think sometimes we just, we just miss the opportunity to renew. And the question that i got to ask you before I get out from here, the question is, it's... Why, why is it such a struggle to renew? What part of ego and arrogance is played into this deal that makes us as men and women not want to go back and look at some inventory? Does it mean we're weak? Does it mean we're less than? That we're some kind of second-rate AA guy? I, I mean, it's, a, it's an honest question. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm just wondering why it seems to be such a struggle. If my life seems to be tough going, the question begs to be asked, Why? What is it that's not being done that should be done? You see, if we were as intelligent as I think that we are, most of us would just simply turn and go, what, was I do what am I not doing now that I was doing when life was great? And most of the time, it's either going to come back to prayer and meditation or it's going to come back to inventory that hadn't been done or working with others and that in some form or fashion, it's all going to come back into that same deal. Let me read you one little thing and I want to get out of, out of here. The... Um, Since I've been here um, this weekend, the single most repeated question, the single most repeated um, uh, topic of discussion has been, um, if I find myself in a meeting that has gotten sicker, gotten a bit toxic, how can I begin to change and move that a meeting to another direction? How can I begin to get it back on track? Some of us have seen the reality of where we're meeting a long time ago. Some of us have shouldered the burden of what we see in the meeting for a long time ago, but we just don't have a, we don't have a game plan. We're going to talk about that a bunch more at, 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 in, a couple of, in an hour or so here when we finish this up but, uh, at step 12. Uh, but I want to read this little piece. Um, I want to give you one little fast piece of, of, of history on this thing. Um, in Remember, the, the AA didn't start out with a nonstop discussion meeting. This nonstop discussion meeting was brought into us by outside sources. We kind of dug it. We thought it was a cool idea. It was funner than talking about a lot of stuff we were talking about. And so we just did it. It was much rather, I'd much rather talk about you uh, that night with the pygmies and all the naked stuff and all that. I mean, I, I just, it's funner talking about that stuff, right? <laughs> Don't knock it till you tried it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Pygmies can be quite entertaining. <laughs> Bill Wilson... Bill Wilson is distressed. Now, uh, this is 1966 when he wrote this. Bill Wilson is completely distressed by what he gets. Now, remember, in those days, everything that was goofy in AA was coming back through Bill Wilson. 
So, so if it was good, it was, Bill Wilson was hearing about it. If it was bad, Bill was hearing about it. It was all coming back in through a telephone call or letters, but he was getting all of it. And he was distressed. He wrote this once, and then he wrote it again, and then it was reproduced in a couple of different places, and now it's in AA Comes of Age. It's in... Uh, 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 shit, that thing that Bill Wilson did on the... Oh, well, I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. When, on the way home, I'll think about it. But it was, it was originally produced in the grapevine as a letter that he wrote like this. And it's called Whose Responsibility? I've got this on email. I'll be glad to send it to you like this. I think that if your group members could read this, that they would begin to, some of them would begin to soften and at least entertain the idea that maybe we've gotten off track, that maybe we've started to do something. Just listen to this. It's real short. An AA group as such cannot take on all of the personal problems of its members, let alone those of non-alcoholics in the world around us. The AA group is not, for example, a mediator of domestic relations, nor does it furnish personal financial aid to anyone. I wish I'd have read that before I was a little light in the wallet. I mean, I just... Though, now, though a member may sometimes be helped in such matters by his friends in AA, the primary responsibility for the solutions of all of his problems of living and growing rests squarely upon the individual himself. Now, should an AA group attempt this sort of help, its effectiveness and energies would be hopelessly dissipated. Now listen to this. This is why sobriety, freedom from alcohol, through the teaching and practice of AA's 12 steps, is the sole purpose of the book, of the group. If we don't stick to this cardinal principle, we shall almost certainly collapse. And if we collapse, we cannot help anyone. That line, this is why sobriety, freedom from alcohol, through the teaching and practice of AA's 12 steps, is the sole purpose of the group. Every time I read that, folks, I'm reminded of a letter I got, an email I got from a friend of mine that lives in Houston, Texas. And his email said, Myers, I just finished my 17th meeting with no mention of the steps or God. And I'll never forget the, the email because I'm sitting there listening to this thing and I'm going, it's 17 meetings, that's 17 hours worth of AA where the steps, where the solution was not carried. We talked about everything else under the sun but we didn't talk about the things that we should have, the things that we signed on to, the things that were our responsibility to talk about. All I'm asking you now, all I will ever ask of you as my brothers and sisters in this room is to accept the responsibility to carry what we're supposed to carry and let's leave the rest of it for Denny's. Let's, I'm not saying that our, all this other stuff's not important. I just think that there's a more appropriate place to deal with it than in the middle of the one precious hour of recovery that we have in a given day. I love you guys. I'll see you in a couple minutes. Thanks. <laughs>